So just last week when I was thinking of some content to do here with the offseason starting off, I know it's been a real long minute since we've had a mock draft, and I've really been trying to dive into a ton of film lately. So uh, we're going to get right back on that train here, and we're going to lead back off with some mock drafts. So this will be the last one that we do for the season. That is what we would do personally. From here on out, I'll be uh, reviewing a ton of mock draft stuff, uh, looking at a lot of team trends and uh, team needs to kind of dive into what I think they're going to do moving forward. So this is this mock draft here would be what I would do as if I was the GM of each team. So lean right off, we get the Jacksonville Jaguars off the bat. And I would lean right into this one and go with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And uh, honestly, he's between him and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau for one of the best players in this draft. I, I actually rate Thibodeau a little bit higher. But just with uh, Hutchinson's build and what he's been able to do against the run, at Michigan, I think it's going to make him a little bit more versatile to fit into that Jaguar scheme when uh, they have a, a couple of guys they want to rush off the edge in Josh Allen and uh, Cl- uh, Clavon Chase on that they'll be able to put him into like a sub technique, like a three or like a five technique inside there and let him go to town. So I like his ability to kind of play throughout the front and really they're so close that I, I don't necessarily think it's a, egregious that you're taking him over Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, rolling right into number two here, we get the Detroit Lions and it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, no surprise here. Uh, back-to-back pass rushers. They're the two best players in this draft other than possibly Evan Neal. Uh, so I, I really, really really like this pick uh, for the Detroit Lions. Like I said, he's my number one prospect. I really think he's got elite potential at the next level. His burst has been absolutely incredible the last couple years for Oregon, and he's definitely a game changer. So Detroit Lions get a good one at number two. And then that's going to take us to number three here. And recent rumors have suggested that they may be looking to move on from Laramie Tunsil, which uh, actually influenced my decision here. And I went with uh, Ikemikwanu at number three and the reason I went with uh, Equanu over Evan Neal here is mainly just because I think that they need to start up front with the run game and I think Equanu's a better run blocker than uh, Evan Neal. Evan Neal's the overall better offensive lineman and very well it could be the selection here at number three over Equanu but when you turn on the tape, honestly, I wasn't that high on Equanu coming into this year. But then you watch this guy this year. His pass sets have been quicker. He's been more fluid, more agile. But also, this is the, the part that stands out even last year is this guy's an absolute monster in the run game. So I think that that could be a really key piece moving forward, especially with a young quarterback in Davis Mills, really trying to base this offense off the run. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what they do down there. Uh, I, th- I believe they're still keeping Pep Hamilton around to run the offense. Uh, so I- I'm really excited to see what what they do moving forward because there's so many pieces that are moving around on that team. And it, it kind of seems like they-, they went with the stopgap solution at Lovey Smith, head coach. So I'm not exactly sure what this off- this uh, front office is doing. So this pick could be anything, but I would go Aikamakwanu. Which is going to take us right to number four, and the New York Jets get an absolute steal that lands right in their lap. Uh, something that they're looking for, a, a bookend offensive tackle to play opposite Mackay Becton. And they get Evan Neal. And Evan Neal, like I said, he's he's my favorite all-around offensive line prospect in this draft. Definitely warrants a top-five selection, and it comes at a position of need for the New York Jets at number four. And 
At number five, we're going to have a little bit of a run here because I think the, the Giants are going to get a little bit trigger happy. And you look at what uh, Joe Shane's done in the past with the, the Buffalo Bills and uh, Brian Dabble's been a part of it, the Buffalo Bills. They, they really build through the trenches. And what better way to do it than getting a bookend offensive tackle to play opposite to Andrew Thomas. And we're going to go with Charles Cross. Charles Cross, your offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Really known for his pass blocking. And uh, I think if they're going to really give... Uh, Daniel Jones a chance to really be successful at his job they need to shore up the uh, the offensive line opposite Andrew Thomas and this is a good step in the right direction so give me uh, Charles Cross at number five number six is going to be the Carolina Panthers and I kind of zagged on this one I went a different route and I went with Kyle Hamilton the best player available on the board and the reason I went with Kyle Hamilton is I think Hamilton's versatile enough that you can play him at a strong safety you can play him at a, a single high a deep half he can cover tight ends he can do just about anything you ask him to from the safety position and they also have jeremy chin on the roster who can play the box safety role he can play you know with the tight ends down the middle so you get a couple of really versatile chess pieces to even make this defense even better and i know the reason they they can't go offensive tackle here is because i don't think there's one worth taking we just seen a huge run on them uh, the, the three picks before them. I don't think that there's a quarterback that's worth taking at this point right here. And I, I think that they'd be more in play for a veteran anyway. So time to make some big decisions, and they're going to shore up that defense with Kyle Hamilton coming in to the mix. This leads us right into the number seven selection. It's the New York Giants via the Chicago Bears uh, in the trade from last year with Justin Fields. And once again, I think that there's going to be a huge emphasis on the trenches for the Giants. And uh, John Mayer has talked about the, the failure to really support Daniel Jones through his tenure there. So I think that they're going to emphasize the offensive side of the football. And I went, I didn't really know who to go here. So I ended up going Tyler Linderbaum. I think he's a, a versatile interior offensive lineman piece that has huge potential. And you look at... Uh, the, their needs along the offensive line. They could definitely fit a center in here. So I took the best one available, the best prospect, in, excuse me, the best uh, center prospect, I'd say, in the last few years pre-draft process. Obviously, Creed Humphrey's been next level this last year, but pre-draft, we didn't think that that was what he was going to be necessarily. So I went Tyler Linderbaum at seven, and this is really going to get the, the offensive line moving in the right direction for Big Blue. At number eight, we get to make a selection here that I don't really know if I've seen a whole lot uh, go and take a look at mock drafts so far this year, but I'm going to go with George Karlaftis to the uh, Atlanta Falcons. And when we think about the Atlanta Falcons, I'm thinking about just how bad their defense is. I know they can use a playmaker on offense with uh, the issues they've been having uh, in terms of wide receiver with Calvin Ridley having the mental illness issues and now there's some trade demands and just not really having that number two guy to go along and pair with Kyle Pitts. So when I take a look at this roster, though, I think everything's got to start on the defensive side of the ball. They just they don't really have any key pieces other than A.J. Terrell on that side, and I, I love A.J. Terrell. I thought he was, like I mentioned last week, he was a top three corner in the NFL. I think he's really elite, but I think you need to start helping him out. you got to start pairing him with some of these guys that are going to be able to do something. And George Karlaftis is a unique talent. He's he's an excellent power rusher. I think he's got some seriously good power moves, some good bull rush stuff. Uh, he's got really good explosion off the ball. He's not as bendy as you like. 
But I think he's going to fit into that uh, Atlanta Falcons defense, and he's a key piece that they can add moving forward. So that's a that's a pick that really gets me excited and one that I haven't really seen a lot in a lot of mock drafts. So moving right along to the ninth selection, and in the ninth selection, the Denver Broncos are going to select Malik Willis. Now hear me out here. This, this is a little bit early, I think, for a quarterback. I wouldn't take one this early. But I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves here on what I would do if I were the Denver Broncos and I'm still picking at nine. So this is under the assumption that they were not able to get a veteran quarterback to come in here in the offseason. And now they're looking for a solution uh, to move forward here. So if this is the case, uh, I'm going Malik Willis because I think he has the most upside of all the quarterbacks in the draft. Is he necessarily the one that's ready to play right now? I, I don't necessarily think so, but I do believe he has the highest upside. He'll still fit some of the, the timeline with some of these receivers they got out there and this offensive line. I know maybe there's some aging or some little bit older key pieces on that defense, but I'm hoping they can hold it together long enough to get this guy moving along in like year two or three and really be a serious threat by then. But Malik Willis, in my opinion, with a with a big arm, a uh, thick frame, and some really good legs on him, I think is the highest ceiling quarterback in the 2022 NFL Draft. Moving right into the 10th selection, and this one's going to be the New York Jets. And the New York Jets are going to get a steal. Uh, a guy that not too long ago, I probably myself had him mocked there at number 4. So at number 10, they get Derek Stingley. And I believe this is the first corner off the board as well, too. But I know Derek Stingley, he's dropping on a lot of mocks. And in my case here, he's not necessarily dropping due to anything he's done wrong. I just more so think the guys above him have elevated their position as uh, NFL prospects. But in a lot of circles, they're, they're really concerned about the injuries. Uh, basically, the last couple years, he's missed significant time due to injury. And that, that's, a, that's a fair argument. Uh, the best ability is availability. But when I take a look at Stingley, I still think that you're getting this dynamic elite talent on the outside that's able to play press. He's able to play off, man. He's able to play back in zones and really close in and may really make up that distance and relatively quickly. And he's got really good ball skills as well too uh, i'm really impressed with his interception production i know there was some talk this last offseason of him playing like receiver at lsu and they ended up not going that route um i'm guessing probably to the injury concerns but i mean with a guy that's that's got this ability i just i find it hard to pass up here at 10 especially with the need that the new york jets have at corner a premium position for them so th- they make a move in the right direction to get this direct this defense turned around, and I love Derek Stingley at 10. I think he's a steal. So well, now that we're outside the top 10, we're getting into number 11. And once again, uh, with the Washington football team, if they're making this selection, and for trade's sake, we don't have any in this draft, if they're staying put at 11, that's telling me that they didn't get their quarterback that they wanted. They didn't get the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers. They didn't get uh, anybody really that's a, a solution long-term there. So my thought process was give them the next best quarterback uh, in the draft. And in my opinion, that's Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell is one of my favorite players to watch in this entire draft. I remember preseason last year, I watched a ton of his 2020 tape, 
and I was really excited about this guy. I, I thought he had this, this laser rocket arm, and he had this, such a quick release. Uh, the only thing that like scared me was his decision making. But he had like this gunslinger mentality where he is just letting it fly down the field. De'Ami Brown was catching just long bombs from the guy, Daz Newsom, all these great targets in this offense. And I was really excited for his production this year. I knew that there was a chance that it was going to be a little concerning that he had never played without those guys. So the fact that he had the, the little bit of a down year, isn't it all that surprising? Uh, I mean, if you look at what he did on the ground is what's more eye-popping eye to me is this guy had a ton of rushing yards, and he was running physical, and he wasn't afraid of contact. I think he kind of proved his toughness this year and his, his proved his leadership that, like, he was more than willing to take on that role and kind of take a step back in the passing game. There is still some concerns with his decision-making, but uh, I believe he's the next highest ceiling guy in this draft. I think uh, with the arm talent, his, his arm – his ability to push the ball down the field and uh really his his athleticness or excuse me his his athleticism that he displayed in the past year here played for North Carolina is something that's gonna let me pull the trigger here for Washington at number 11 and at number 12 now we're getting back into some of these uh blue chip prospects that I have in my book and I got the Minnesota Vikings on the clock, and I have them taking Ahmad Gardner. Now, Ahmad Gardner, in my opinion, is the second best cornerback in this draft. And this is right about in the range I think I had him ranked at. I think he's a he's a really dynamic talent. And it's, you look at some of the numbers he's posted, I think like he's never given up like a touchdown in his entire collegiate career, which is absolutely astounding because he's been playing for three years for Cincinnati. And I know Cincinnati... And, you know, probably in the beginning didn't necessarily have the most difficult schedule. But you look at some of the big names that they played as of recent. They played Georgia a couple times. They played Notre Dame. Uh, those are bona fide programs. And, like, this guy's dogging it out there, giving, mixing it up with some of the best in the absolute nation here. And, like, not even one surprise or not even one hesitation in my book that the Vikings should make a deal with this one. Uh, because I believe the only guy they have on the roster going into next year, as it stands right now, is Cam Dancer for corner. Uh, Patrick Peterson is expiring. <laughs> Patrick Peterson is expiring. Mackenzie Alexander is expiring. They're going to have a ton of holes on that defense. And I think this is a good start at filling them. So give me a mod Gardner at number 12. Which is going to take us into the number 13 selection with the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns I have selecting Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is the interior defensive lineman from Georgia. Uh, this is a guy that I wasn't too high on coming into the year. But then you look at what he was doing in the middle of this Georgia defense. And there's like, there some Heisman, some legitimate Heisman talk for this guy for a while there. And uh, I think he's a really he's a really interesting talent because I think he's the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. I think he does a really good job pushing a pocket and uh, not allowing those quarterbacks to step up from within the pocket. And I think he's an elite run defender. So I think you can try to keep him on the field. Uh, he might start out as like a two-down player. But I think if we can, we can keep his weight down, we can keep his body under control here, I think that you might be able to get some three-down uh, pressure stuff out of him. I'm not expecting him to ever be like this eight sack, nine sack, Aaron Donald, Cam Hayward interior defensive lineman. I'm thinking he's more of that consistent, a guy that's drawn the double team in these pass sets 
and making sure that the slide goes towards him or maybe uh, the the outside guy is getting a back now so it's going to make it a little bit easier so that, I, I like Jordan Davis to Cleveland at number three I think that'll help uh, in the trenches there on defense where they they were a little bit rough in the run game this year on defense so I think that'll be a big step for them taking a look at number 14 we got the Baltimore Ravens and this is a guy that I don't know why but he's been like skyrocketing down draft boards and I don't I guess I know why but at the same time I look I remember watching his tape this summer and I watched some of the stuff this year and this year was a little bit underwhelming uh, compared to what I was expecting this summer but the talent that you've seen from 2020 is still there and that's why I have faith in this guy and that's why I still have him going 14 and it's going to be DeMarvin Leal to the Baltimore Ravens and DeMarvin Leal's a, a really interesting chess piece on the defense just because he's a little undersized. I think he's like 290, 295, but he's like 6'3", so it's, he's kind of like that tweener range where we're not sure. Is he going to play D-end? Is he going to play interior defensive lineman? We're not sure. So he doesn't have this like traditional bulk you like to see out of an interior defensive lineman. He doesn't have necessarily the, I won't say slender, but the the muscled up, you know, 260 frame that you'd expect from an edge rusher. Uh, but he's still got the explosiveness as an edge rusher because Texas A&M wouldn't use him there. And he's they would still anchor him inside and have him play the run. So he's got the ability to, to do either or. So that's why I kind of like him for like uh, a 4-3 defense. But I think that the Ravens are the right landing spot for him because in years past, they've really known how to get creative with their defensive players. And I think that he'd be a really a really interesting piece to see what they do with him. Like, a, do they have him, you know, slim up a little bit, like 10, 15 pounds, and turn him into this, like, Zadarius Smith role or, like, this uh, Pernell McPhee, Matt Judon-type player where that they're a little bit bigger for an edge guy that you can knock him inside on sub, uh, sub downs, like, you know, third and long, second and long, and rush him from inside? Or do they kind of bulk him up and just kind of use him all along the defensive front? So I, I like their ability to try to use this guy, and I'm not afraid of taking him at 14. A lot, a lot. I know a lot of people would, but I'm going to bet on the upside on this guy and give me him at uh, Demarvin Leal at 14. At the 15th selection, we get one of the three Philadelphia Eagles picks, and the first Philadelphia Eagles pick I have going with Garrett Wilson, wide receiver at Ohio State, and this is kind of going against my own rankings here. But the only reason I did this is because I think Chris Olave is the best wide receiver in this draft. But the reason I go Garrett Wilson here is because I think he's a little bit different skill set because my comp for uh, Chris Olave was Devonta Smith, just a, like a little bit b- bigger and not as necessarily accomplished wide receiver in college. So that's why I don't want to duplicate that skill set in this offense. I think Wilson's a little bit more dynamic excuse me, after the catch. So that gives them a little bit of a different dimension. But I still like this selection for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, If you could try to sell me on Traylon Burks here, I wouldn't fight you. I still think, like I said, he's a little bit different skill set, this bigger bulked up uh, yak guy. But in this scenario, I went with Garrett Wilson. I think he's going to pair well with uh, Devonta Smith and give Jalen Hurts another target for the next year here. 
Next up is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles with their second first-round selection. And I have them going again here with David Ajabo, edge rusher from the Phil, or excuse me, from the Michigan Wolverines. And I watched a little bit of a David Ajabo film, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't really see the hype. I didn't see this this top ten like gotta have it pass rusher. And I'm not exactly like I don't think he's bad by any means. I have him going in the first round here. I just don't think that he's like this top ten lock or top 10 talent lock in my opinion and the reason for that is I, I mean I didn't necessarily always see him on the field they're 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 taking him off he's not like this three down defender where you're going to be able to load him in the box and stop the run at the same time but at the next uh thought here he's a dynamic pass rusher you could see how fast he is off the ball uh, how quick he's able to to beat offensive tackles outside you know swipe the hands get around the corner and bend so I can see the talent. I can see the upside. I just I need to see more as a run defender before I'm going to consider this guy like a, a top 10 lock pick. So that's why I had him fall down my board. And that this is what I would do is if I was the Philadelphia Eagles at number 16. Moving right along, we got pick number 17, the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Chargers... After just missing out on the playoffs this year, I have them going on the defensive side of the ball. I haven't taken Trent McDuffie, corner out of Washington. And Trent McDuffie's a little undersized. I believe he's like 5'10", 5'11". He's he's more of an inside-outside guy. He's a little bit more flexible schematically-wise, which is going to pair well with the Chargers here just because they already have uh, Asante Samuel Jr. And he can play inside or outside. So you add another chess piece to that with Trent McDuffie and now you got another inside outside guy and I know that this offense is ready to go and I know they're losing Mike Williams possibly Uh, it sounds like they may resign him they may let him walk they don't know if they want to pay him but when we look at what was really holding this team back in my opinion it was the defense and specifically the pass defense well actually I would say the defense as a whole the run defense wasn't all that great either and you could make a case if Jordan Davis is on the board that he'd be a guy that would really help this defense here. But in this scenario, he's not on the board. So I go in the next, a different direction, and I'm going to get this secondary some help for Brandon Staley. So Trent McDuffie, number 17 to the Chargers. Which brings us to selection number 18. And at this point in the draft, I consider this the biggest steal so far. And I got the New Orleans Saints selecting Chris Olave. I know I gave a little blur before when uh, I gave Garrett Wilson to the Philadelphia Eagles, but Chris Olave is my number one receiver in this draft. I was so impressed with what I watched over the summer, and he just displayed it again this season. I, I know he had to share some of the targets with uh, you know Garrett Wilson, Jackson, and Jigba Smith, but when I'm taking a look at this guy, I think he's the most refined route runner in his class, and at like 190 pounds, he, he may be able to throw some weight on, but at the same time, that's not so small that you're like concerned for his well-being and his ability to hold up over an entire season. And I think he's got some really soft hands, and he's got the production to back it up. I think he's the all-time leading receiver in the history of Ohio State, which is a very prestigious program, so he's done it at a high level for a long time here. And I, I definitely think he's more than uh, capable are more than deserving of a selection higher than 18, but this is where he falls to in this draft, and the Saints get an absolute steal to pair with Michael Thomas for the future here. Chris Olave to the New Orleans Saints at 18. 
And then we finally get to our last Philadelphia Eagles pick here. And I should have gave this disclaimer on the first two, but this is obviously under the assumption they didn't trade any of these selections for Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know the drill here, uh, Deshaun Watson, any of these guys. So at number 19, I have the Eagles getting Devin Lloyd, uh, the linebacker out of Utah. And I remember the first time I was watching Devin Lloyd, I was trying to look up their roster because I couldn't figure out what number he was. Uh, And I'm watching the game live. So I'm like searching and I thought I had the number right. I thought it was, you know, in the 50s or the 90s or something. And I'm watching the game and there's this dude just like blowing up teams. I believe it was the first Oregon game. And he is just like flying through the line. I'm like, God, who's, you know, Devin, that's not Devin Lloyd, but who is that guy? And finally, I ended up figuring it out that I had the wrong number for Devin Lloyd, and it was uh, because he was completely owning Oregon State's offensive uh, offense and offensive line. And that was that moment I was like, man, this guy's a unique talent. I believe he's like 6'2", 6'3", he's like 220, 230, 240. Uh, one of those weights in there. I, I know that's a big range. But uh, he's a really unique talent in that he's, he's so quick uh, – navigating the ball and getting into the backfield and making his decisions and in a snap situation and really getting after it but he's also able to stay in the field and coverage he's even able to do some stuff rushing a passer he's not quite like Micah Parsons level but I mean we haven't seen a player at Micah Parsons level rushing a passer in possibly 30 years so I still like him as a first round selection I like him a little bit more than a Kobe Dean just because I think he's He's a little bit more rocked up, a little bit bigger frame to kind of take on some of them blockers inside the box. But the Eagles have a, a very serious need at linebacker. They haven't really had anybody that's a, a dyna- dynamic threat there. I think they've been playing like TJ Edwards, Alex Singleton the last few years. And then those are guys that are like, you know, some stopgap solutions here. But they're not the same unique talent that you're going to be getting out of Devin Lloyd. So in a, with a third first-round pick, I think it's definitely warranting a – I guess a, a big swing at a guy that could have some serious upside at a position that's not necessarily considered a premium one. So Devin Lloyd, number 19, or excuse me, that pick 19 to the Philadelphia Eagles, which is going to bring us to the 20th selection in the NFL, or the NFL mock draft, I guess I, I guess I should say for us here. And it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I got the Pittsburgh Steelers taken one of the uh, senior bowl darlings in Trevor Penning. Uh, Trevor Penning is as advertised. He's a scrappy dude. Uh, you watch the film. He loves finishing blocks. And at the senior bowl, there's a lot of rumors flying around that this guy is just looking for a fight, that this guy was had the dog mentality, like, let me get in there, let me scrap, let me get after these guys. And when you turn on the film, you can see it. But I'm not quite as high, I guess, on Trevor Penning as a lot of other people are. I think he may even end up kicking inside uh, at the next level, which is fine because the Steelers have a need there. But I think you let him try to fail at tackle first. But the main concern I had with Penning is he, he whiffs on a lot of blocks, but I think that's just like his aggressive nature. Like he's so anxious to get to that second level and light up that corner, or light up that uh, linebacker that he whiffs on some of these guys. And I think his feet and pass pro are a little slow, which is a little concerning, which is why he may kick inside. But the the tenacity and the aggression and run blocking is definitely there. And that's definitely something that's going to get him on the field right away. So at number 20, 
I think that they try to get back to establishing the run now that Big Ben will be gone in this offense, and I think Trevor Penning will be a key piece for them moving forward in that Pittsburgh Steeler offense. At number 21, we have the New England Patriots. And I think now that you got the guy under center, I think you got to look to surround him with some talent. And I'm, I think the offensive line is pretty good as long as they can bring a majority of them guys back. So I'm looking to the outside, and I think there's a very, very unique talent still left on the board for them, and it's going to be Traylon Burks. Uh, Traylon Burks, I remember watching an Arkansas game earlier this year, and I'm like, okay, let's see what this guy's got. He's really hyped up as this you know, huge playmaking wide receiver. And this is like one of the games he ended up going for like 200 yards this year. And I'm like, just check the box, man. This guy's got it. And he goes up and gets the ball. He's absolutely phenomenal after the catch. I think he's going to be a lot faster than people think. Like if you're thinking like four fives, think again. I'm thinking low four fives, if not four fours for this guy. I think he's going to be an absolute combine superstar. And at like 220, 230 pounds, uh, that's getting into the same light as really close to like DK Metcalf stuff. So I'd be really excited if I was a Patriots fan and this is the selection you get because I think you're going to find some really creative ways to use him. And Traylon Burks is a next-level talent. So that's going to be my selection at number 21. At number 22, we get the Las Vegas Raiders and... This is a guy that I wasn't initially that high on uh, coming into the process, but after watching him, I, I signed off on it. I, I love the guy. It's going to be Drake London. Uh, they get a really kind of a steal at this point because I've seen Drake London going as high as like number 10 in some mock drafts. So at 22 to get a guy like that, I think you're pretty excited. But Drake London, uh, I didn't really – I wasn't that impressed by him. I guess when I was watching over the summer compared to some of these other guys. But uh, I don't know what it is, but this year I just was really impressed with some of the the route running and how he was able to snap off some routes at the top of his routes and really be this surefire possession guy in the middle of the field. Uh, It is a little bit concerning to me that they they primarily used him in the slot because when at like the size of 6'5", 210, 215, I'd like a guy to be able to play some outside receiver to get some of those mismatches on goal routes. But if in today's day and age, I think that you got to just get ball players and you got to find the position to make it work for them. And at this point in the draft, getting a guy like Drake London, he can play that uh, Brian Edwards role that he, you know, Brian Edwards really hasn't excelled at this year. And maybe this allows you to move on to Zay Jones and not have to pay him uh, to keep a guy like this in the room. So Drake London to the Las Vegas Raiders at number 22. At number 23, we have the Arizona Cardinals on the clock, and they're going to go with uh, a selection here that I, I – this personally is one of the guys that I really like. I haven't seen him being mocked in the first round as of recently, but in the preseason, he was definitely a darling, and uh, it's going to be Kyer Elam, the corner out of Florida. Uh, Kyer Elam's got some ideal size for a corner that you like to see. I believe he's like 6'2", 6'3". He's real lanky. 
And I really like his ability and how he plays zone coverage currently. He's not terrible at off-man either. I really think that that's something that you could develop with him, especially with with how tall and long he is. He's going to be able to run with some of these bigger receivers and use his hands to kind of keep him at bay as he's playing coverage with them. So I still definitely don't think he's played himself out of the first round. And based off of these just physical traits alone, I'd be willing to take a risk on him. So Kair Elam to the Arizona Cardinals is going to help replace uh, – they never really did find a replacement for Malcolm Butler. And I think if you could pair him up with uh, the young guy they got, in the, the Florida guy from last draft, Marco Wilson, and then also Byron Murphy in the slot, I think you're moving in the right direction in that defensive backfield. So we're going to stick with that pick for the Arizona Cardinals here, which is going to take us to our 24th selection. And at 24, I have the Cowboys selecting Kenyon Green, uh, the offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman from the Texas A&M. And Kenyon Green has looked really good uh, this years prior in the interior offensive line. I believe he tried to play some tackle. It was either this year or the last year. And I, I just don't think he's quite got the feet for it. I don't think he can get the pass sets. But he's still an absolute mauler in the run game. He's going to be able to get after it. And I think if, if they're going to try to look to get a little bit younger at some of these positions interior-wise... Uh, you could possibly look to move on from Connor Williams after this year or uh, in the near future. And even at center, I know Tyler Biotis has played all right, but uh, there's definitely some opportunity to get better within that offensive line room. So I would like to see them go Canyon Green here, get a starter opposite Zach Martin, keep Biotis at the center role, and then you got a really solid interior offensive line still. So I'm going Canyon Green number 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to really help support that offense. Uh, Moving forward here, we're going to get the 25th selection. And the 25th selection here is going to end up being Jermaine Johnson for the Buffalo Bills. And I know they just took Gregory Rousseau. They got a Boogie Basham in the second round as well too. But I, I still think that they like to rotate some of these guys. And I think that if they're going to look to move on from some of these other guys along that defensive front, and they want to stay flexible in what they can play, I think you can get some serious depth at DN. And Jermaine Johnson's been one of the biggest risers here. I know he wasn't in a lot of first-round mocks in the past year, but after the Senior Bowl, he's really elevated himself to that status. So I think they're getting a really good player here that's going to be able to make an immediate impact on their roster. So Jermaine Johnson at number 25. And that's going to take us right down to the number 26 overall selection. It's going to be the Tennessee Titans. And I have him going at uh, a weapon on offense. I have him going with Jamison Williams. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm pretty high on Jamison Williams. But to take a guy uh, super early, like if you're thinking like top 15, 16, uh, the talent's there for Jamison Williams. But to take a guy that high, I, w- I think normally you get immediate impact. Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans was a guy that, like we, we didn't see that happen before. A guy tears his ACL in workouts. And then basically a team's going to redshirt him. So, I mean, the Tennessee Titans have shown patience with guys like this in the past. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Caleb Farley last year. I think it kind of fits their profile. And you take a look at it, beyond next year, they may look to move on from Julio as well. So, I mean, then you got a running partner with A.J. Brown for the, the, the long-term future there. And it's going to be one of the more dynamic duos. you got the, the Yak God and uh, A.J. Brown the stack, the guy that's going to catch you underneath stuff. And then you got the other guy that can take the top off the defense and Jamison Williams. So I'm really, I really like this fit. I haven't seen this one a lot. I don't see a lot of people having Jamison Williams fall this far, but 
that that's just my preference that a guy with a, a shaky knee like he's got and uh, where you're going to get that value in a draft is more likely here at number 26 than you're going to see it earlier. At number 27, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And once again, this is what I would do if they were selecting here. So this is also assuming that they didn't make a play for Russell Wilson. They didn't make a play for Aaron Rodgers. They didn't make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it's currently as their team stands. But if you did draft or you did get Jimmy Garoppolo, I definitely would still be okay making this selection. And it's going to be Matt Corral. Uh, Matt Corral is the quarterback out of Ole Miss. He had a really, really great year underneath Lane Kiffin's offense in that system at, at Ole Miss. And he doesn't have the dynamic uh, laser rocket arm that we've seen from the guys that I had selected earlier and, you know, Malik Willis and Sam Howell. But I, he's definitely still a capable passer. I know a lot of people like him in that Sean Payton offense. But I, I, th- I still think that Bruce Arians does a really good job at molding that offense around who he's got there. And Leftwich staying an additional year is also going to be a big help as well. You've seen what they were able to do to go from the, the big arm in Jameis Winston to kind of shaping it around Tom Brady and some of that short to intermediate stuff that he likes to do. So I think that they can get a QB of the future here and really move forward and launch themselves off of this this Tom Brady uh launch pad I guess you could say uh, from which they started and continue building out this roster for the future Uh, the next up selection is going to be the Green Bay Packers at number 28 and this is another guy that I know I was really high on in the preseason uh, but he had a really I won't say a down year but just not quite living up to the hype but that's more of a product of the school but he's still one of my favorite guys I remember watching him this summer and I was like this guy this guy's got it this this guy could be special and at 28, it made a ton of sense to take him. Uh, I went Drake Jackson, the USC edge defender, to the Green Bay Packers. And I know edge has been a real popular pick for the Packers lately. Uh, they have an opportunity to move on from Zadarius Smith. Uh, Preston Smith also could be a likely candidate to either take a pay cut or be moved on from. Uh, it's going to create a little bit of a hole there at the edge defender position. Rashawn Gary looks really, really good. Uh, but I think that this could be another guy he's got a huge frame he's like 6'4 6'5 but I think he comes in a little light at like 250 Uh, so they may for their preference like to see him put on you know 10 15 20 pounds and it may take him a year so this is where you could see like they give him the Rashawn Gary treatment they let him build his body up to where they want him at they play him in kind of a a DPR role for his first year and you know bring Preston Smith back at a discount and then you roll these three guys out. But I really like Drake Jackson. I think he's a really could be a special player. And I'm I'm honestly really interested to see where he goes. I see a lot of people putting him in the second round at the tail end of the first. This was a guy that was like a top 10 selection for me in the preseason. So I think it'll be a, a big upgrade for the Packers there, a big key piece moving forward for their defense. Uh, taking us right down to the 29th selection, this is going to be the Miami Dolphins via the 49ers last year. And as the board stands, I'm having them select a wide receiver. They need some serious talent uh, to help build around Tua. And I think that Jahan Dotson could be a perfect fit for them. Uh, Jahan Dotson, one of my favorite players in this draft. I didn't quite see the the high-end star playmaking potential that I seen last year. That Ohio State tape was some of the best wide receiver film I think I've ever seen last year. He was consistently roasting Sean Wade. And I, I just didn't know what to say about it. I was dumbfounded. 
Uh, he's he's making one-handed grabs. He's he's creating separation, you know, on vertical routes and through the air, like jumping over dudes. And he's five eleven, and he, he's using his feet to get open on these, these route stems that he's got. And I was just, I was so astonished at what he was able to do. And I think getting him at this position in the draft for the Dolphins is a big time win. Uh, you could pair him up with Jalen Waddle. They both can play inside outside. You get a ton of versatility with them. Uh, if they try to bring back Gisecki, uh that gives you more of the the vertical big threat on the outside. So I think I, I like how that would pair here. So I'm giving Jahan Dotson to the Miami Dolphins at 29. Right down to number 30, the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, basically, I think that we can mark it up here that they're going to need some corner help on that back end. Uh, and that's that's the direction I went with it here. And I think you got a really good opportunity. I know Mike Hughes, they made a deal for him. I don't necessarily, necessarily think he's lived up to that first-round status, but this is a guy that I think that you could replace him with and get some equal to, if not better, production. It's going to be Andrew Booth out of Clemson. And uh, I know if you listen to any of the, the TDN stuff at the Draft Network, uh, the Draft dudes love uh, Andrew Booth. Joe Marino's been really, really high on him. Uh, even going into last year, he's their ACC guy, and I, I, I do like his uh, his his com- his competitive toughness. Like he's he's able to stay with guys. He's not afraid. To, uh, he doesn't back down from a challenge. Uh, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there, and make tackles. I thought he was a really good player. I just don't think he's quite to the same physical tools le- level or you know coverage instincts that we've seen from some of the guys at the top of this draft. Uh, and I don't think he's necessarily the best as good of a man corner as a guy like Ahmad Gardner. So that's why he's going to be a little bit lower on our list. But still, he sneaks into the first round here, and he gets to go to the the perennial contenders in the Kansas City Chiefs and help with that defense. Moving right along to number 31 here, uh, the 31st selection in our mock draft here is going to be Zion Johnson to the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's no secret that the Bengals need a ton of help uh, retooling this offensive line. It's a, it's almost embarrassing how much uh, Joe Burrow has been sacked over the, the course of this year, and it it sounds like the, the injuries keep piling up for this guy, so you've got to get this guy some protection. And Zion Johnson is a perfect dude to come in and play guard for you day one. Uh, you can move on from Quentin Spain. You can you, you could bench him if you want. This is a guy that's going to be able to play at a higher level than him. He's NFL ready right now. I just don't know if his ceiling's as high as a guy like a Quentin Nelson or something like that that you see at the higher end of the first round. So bringing Zion Johnson out of Boston College, you put him into your offensive line right off the bat, and you're already better than you were in the Super Bowl. So I really like this selection for him at 31. You get a, a day one starter. And in the final selection of our draft here, it's going to be the 32nd overall pick. It's going to be the Detroit Lions. And I know a lot of people want to give the Detroit Lions a quarterback at 32. And in Rightfully so, you get that fifth-year option. So if you take a gamble on a guy and it ends up paying off, like say a Lamar Jackson, and you get that extra year at the rookie-scale contract, that's a that's a big deal. But in our mock draft, I went a different route. Uh, I think about what the, the Detroit Lions' needs are, and they're going to have a need at cornerback. And a guy that I really like that's still available on the board is going to be Roger McCreary. I think he's going to fit the style of play that Dan Gam- Dan Campbell wants to play. He plays this really aggressive and physical brand of football, and that's exactly what McCreary brings from Auburn. He's a seriously physical man corner on the outside. Uh, He's never going to back down from a challenge. And going up against guys like Devontae Adams, yes, he's going to be back in Green Bay. 
and uh, other guys in the NFC North there, Justin Jefferson, you're going to need guys like this that are not afraid of the challenge, that are going to be able to get right in someone's uh, teeth and get after it. And I think I like this. I really like this selection for the Detroit Lions at 32. So Roger McCreary closing out the first round for us here. So that's going to be it for our first round mock draft here. Like I said, this is the last one we were going to do based on our own rankings. So you have to let us know what your thoughts are, see how we, we fared out. I'm going to keep uh, grinding out some tape on a lot of these guys. I think I got a bulk of the guys that I'm going to be considering uh, first round prospects in my book, but there, there may be a few out there that are, you know, hidden amongst the, the tea leaves here. So make sure you tune in. Uh, next week, we're going to dive into some more of that prospect ranking stuff as well. So starting this week, we're going to be doing our Fix Your Franchise segment. And essentially what we're going to do is we're going to go through all the non-playoff teams and see what they need to do and the moves they need to make this offseason to, to take them to the next level to improve their roster and, and basically what we would do if we were the, the GM of that franchise. So that's going to lead us right off the bat with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at all their upcoming free agents, uh, some guys that they can look to sign out of the free agent pool. And then also we did a little mock, mock draft with our uh, our favorite mock draft simulator over at uh, TDN, the draft network, uh, just because I really like that one. So if you like that, go check that out. Uh, we're going to probably go through some of the main picks in it because I know the Jacksonville Jaguars have like 11 picks in this draft. So I'll make sure we post it all on Twitter. But leading right off the bat here, we're going to be taking a look at some of the free agents for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the upcoming year. And there's quite a few of them for the Jaguars here, so I don't really want to go through every single one. We'll be here for at least another half an hour doing that. But I just want to hit on some of the main ones that they got here. So leading right off on the list is going to be Cam Robinson. He was franchise tagged last year. Uh, I don't think that they're going to try to do that again at the number that they're going to have to pay him for that. Uh, it's a very curious situation with Cam Robinson on whether they're going to bring him back or not. Uh, do you kick him in the guard? Uh, do you leave him at right tackle? Something like that. Uh, the next on the list here is going to be Andrew Norwell and A.J. Can, a couple of guards that uh, played some significant snaps. Norwell started. I believe Can did as well for a while last year. And they're both guys that I don't see them bringing back just due to their age and their timeline and where they're at. And we're going to get a lot of help here, too, along the offensive line for Trevor Lawrence, seeing as this unit was pretty bad the last few few years, including last year. So those are going to be guys that I look to move on from. Uh, former first-round pick David Bryan, also, or excuse me, Taven Bryan, also going to be gone. He has not lived up to that first-round hype. Uh, Trey Herndon, I believe he's a, mainly their slot guy that they get a lot of help from there as well. But there's a they got a couple corners still in the room there with Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin that I think this gives him some flexibility to let him walk and maybe get some help within the draft as well. After Trey Herndon, then uh, we got a couple other guys here. It's going to be James O'Shaughnessy, uh, Damian Wilson. O'Shaughnessy, a tight end that's played a lot of snaps before getting Dan Arnold in the previous year. And then we're taking a look at Damian Wilson, an off-ball linebacker who's also seen a ton of snaps on this defense. Both guys, I think, can be improved upon either through free agency or the draft. So I'd let them walk in this situation. Uh, then we got a group of wide receivers here, and I just want to headline it off by, this is one of the guys that I would think that they could look to re-sign. It's going to be DJ Chark. 
Uh, Chark had a really good rapport with Gardner Minshew, and he's he's shown some really good over the top potential. Uh, when you've been able to push the ball down the field to him, I just he fell out of favor with the coaching staff or an injury last season. I'm not exactly sure, but at ten ten to eleven million dollars, this is definitely a move that I would look to make to keep this guy around as uh, maybe a deep threat for the for Trevor Lawrence in the future here. So DJ Chark, that's that's a guy I think that we can use some of their cap space on, and we'll get to how much they got here in a minute. But then the other guys on the list here, Tavon Austin, La- Laquan Treadwell, kind of career journeyman. Uh, those are guys I think I'd look to move on from. Uh, Tavon Austin's kind of eaten up that LaVisca Chenault role, move uh, LaVisca into more of a full-time role there instead of trying to shoehorn him in as a wide receiver. And then we got only got a couple more left here on the list, and actually one more that I want to hit on, and it's going to be Andrew Wingard. He's a restricted free agent. He's played a, a little bit of safety for them in the last couple years here, but I feel like that room is one that's suffering right now and can definitely use some improvement upon. So he's a restricted free agent. They could look to tender him to get some to to protect him. But in, in that case, I don't know exactly sure if, if they look to do that. Maybe they just look to move on altogether unless he'll take a lesser role and lesser paycheck to stay at the team here. So really, there's there's only about one, maybe two guys I'd, I'd look to resign here. Uh, if you can get Cam Robinson as well to kick inside, that's something that I would look to possibly do. I don't know if he'll take a pay cut off of his uh his franchise tag from the past year and paying thirteen to fourteen million dollars based on what he was tagged at last year might seem a little bit high for an interior lineman. But if you can keep that number around ten million and give him the option to play inside a guard, that is definitely something I think that they would be interested in looking into. So that could be really big time for the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Uh, next, we're going to be taking a look at some of the, uh, re- excuse me, the unrestricted free agents. You know the stuff that everybody gets real excited about at the beginning of March on who's available that the Jacksonville Jaguars could look to sign, and then also we'll talk about their cap space a little bit. So first, leading right into their cap space, uh, based off of what SpotTrack.com's got for them available, they have actually the third best team in terms of cap space. They have a uh, fifty-six million ninety, or excuse me, fifty-six million ninety-six thousand seven hundred four dollars. So about fifty-six million of functioning cap space to go into free agency with. And really, if we take a look at it, I even think that there's a couple of cuts that they can make to kind of really save some more money there. So if we're taking a look at terms of players that they could look to move on from, I think uh, Brandon Linder is one of the top guys at the top that you could look to move on from that would really save you some significant money. And he played center for the Jacksonville Jaguars this past year. I also believe that another couple of cap casualties that I would possibly look to cut is going to be C.J. Beathard. Uh, I believe his hits just around three quarters of a million dollars, or excuse me, his cat, his dead money's three quarters of a million dollars, and Carlos Hyde, who has a half a million dead cap number. But if you cut both of them, that's an additional five thousand dollars. So you're looking at you could add clear up an additional thirteen to fourteen million in cap space to get you to that like sixty nine seventy million number to really be a huge player to throw around some huge contracts during this uh free agency period, just because. It, the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't necessarily the biggest free agency desti- or destination, so I think that could help them out as well. 
So when approaching free agency here as the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have a ton of cap space. Like as we mentioned, anywhere close to $70 million. But you also don't want to have too many high-end, uh, upper echelon, like older free agents because basically what you're what you're doing in this rebuild here is you're kind of importing an influx of young talent and you, you want to develop that talent. That talent doesn't develop just sitting on the bench uh, watching them play games. So that's the big thing here is we want to get some of these high-profile guys, but we also want them to be in that age range where they're, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old, where they're going to be around, you know, for the next few years to really capitalize on this window with Trevor Lawrence, or at least that's the way I would approach it. So when I'm taking a look at this free agency class, uh, there's a couple of holes I think that we can look to fill here. And the first one that I thought was going to be a no-brainer in my in my part or my my eyes is going to be Marcus Williams, the safety from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's currently a free agent. He was tagged last year. I know they're in like salary cap disaster in New Orleans. They have the worst uh, cap situation in the league, and I think he could be an expendable piece that they look to move on from. So I think for about you know ten to twelve million dollars. This is a guy that you could get on your squad and be like an immediate day one starter. Uh, have him and Andre Sisco on the back end. Uh, the only thing is, I don't know how flexi- flexible Marcus Williams is. I think he's more of a deep half, a single high kind of guy. He's not a guy that can play in the box. So it, you may be relying on Andre Sisco to kind of be that move around chess piece, which I don't know if exactly that's how he he profiles, but. I think he's, the ability is possibly there. He's ultra-aggressive, so I think he could do it. So that that was the first piece that I was thinking would be a huge add in a free agency here. Uh, the, the next thing I did was I turned my attention to the offensive side of the ball. And when we're looking at playmakers for Trevor Lawrence, uh, there really isn't a ton uh, in terms of high-end talent. They have a lot of, like, depth guys that I like. Like, I like LaVisca Chenault. I like uh, Marvin Jones Jr.'s... Uh, all right receiver you know he's he's kind of getting up there in age but he's not exactly terrible so there's a there's a definitely a hole here for like a number one go-to guy for Trevor Lawrence that he doesn't really have right now so when I'm taking a look at this free agent class Devonte Adams I'm not even going to talk about him more than like three seconds here because he's getting tagged and if you're going to trade for him then he's going to get tagged and trade and you're giving up at least probably a first round pick so unless you're giving up one one I'm which I'm not. Uh, that's not even really a big conversation to have here. So, the guy I got my I got a couple of my eyes on a couple of guys here, and Chris Godwin could be one. Uh, I know he's got the ACL tear, so he's going to be out for most of the year. But basically, you're betting on him coming back in the later half of next year, and then also moving forward. Uh, his numbers huge, though. They're, I mean, you're looking at 14 to probably 16 million dollars for this guy. Uh, but he is a bona fide number one guy. He can play outside. He can play inside. Uh, I, I really like his ability. And I think he could just eat up a ton of targets from Trevor Lawrence and be a dynamic piece of this offense. But at that price, m- maybe you don't look to go that route. Uh, maybe you look to go a different route here. And another guy I'd have my eyes on if you can't get Chris Godwin is if they let him go, I would be all over the Mike Williams asking price. This is a guy I actually would like more than Chris Godwin. Uh, 
Mike Williams is like a huge target. He had a really big breakout season this year. And basically all signs are kind of pointing to a split between him and the the Los Angeles Chargers here that, that they don't necessarily want to pay him. But, I mean, he's going to command a huge dollar. But, I mean, like I said, we got $70 million in cap space. You know, you want to pay him, you know, $17 million per. This is a guy that's like 26 years old. This is a guy that's been a really reliable target this last year. Uh, I know it's kind of a breakout, breakout season, so you're kind of betting on the the upswing here. But, I mean, these are big swings that you got to take. And this, these are guys that are in that age range. These are guys that I'd be willing to try to make a deal with here. So the, that's another idea, option, excuse me, another option here that we could look to pursue as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Adding to what we've already got here on the offense, the other spot that I would look to try to build through a little bit here through free agency is going to be some of this interior line uh, spots here as well. Uh, I, th- I look at guys like Ted Karras, Ben Jones, not the high dollar like centers, interior guys, like kind of these like, mid-tier guys that hey they can come in they can be a solution at first and maybe help develop some of these young guys as the year goes on and then maybe you sub them out and get these young guys some playing time at some point maybe mid-season maybe towards the end of the season or even just give them a chance to battle it out in camp so those are a couple of names that I would possibly look at uh, building on the interior part of the line I don't want to get too much help on the O-line here just because the, the, the trenches were a really, really big uh, piece of what we developed through the draft of when we did our mock draft. And then I'm looking at the last piece here is going to be an off-ball linebacker. And I, I think there's a few options that I don't necessarily hate out there that are available that you could get for a deal that are going to fit our timeline here. Like once again, I mentioned, you don't want to get these guys that are 32 years old, 33 years old, and, and pay them to be on your cap for two or three years here. I want to get guys that are going to be foundational pieces of my defense that are going to be able to stick around for four or five years. Unless you're, unless you're going to sign a two-year deal for four or five million dollars, I don't exactly expect to be doling out big cash to you. But when I'm taking a look at this off-ball linebacker list, a couple of guys really pop for me. Uh, one of them is going to be the... Excuse me, the Tennessee Titan duo. It's going to be Rashawn Evans, uh, J. Ron Brown. Those are a couple of guys I could see you bringing in to play that Damian Wilson spot from the year prior. You're looking at about five million per uh, for Rashawn Evans. I'm guessing it's going to be a little more of the first round selection from a couple years back. Uh, or Leighton Vanderish, another guy that was when he was healthy was very very good on the field. Uh, his issue has been staying healthy. So if you want to give him an incentive-laden deal here where maybe he only counts five, six, seven million against the cap for a couple years, you know, two, three years, that could be something that, you know, you really capitalize on. That could be a really, really good part of this defense of playing alongside Miles Jack. So those are a couple other names that I like. Uh, really, Vander Esch is the one. Uh, I don't think that a guy like Devondre Campbell is going to be in play. I think that Green Bay is going to be able to or trying to do whatever they can do to keep him. And uh, a guy like Anthony Barr is a little bit older, and I, I like his versatility, but it's just I don't know if I feel comfortable paying him, you know, 10 to $15 million a year at the age of 31 for, you know, multiple years. So like I said, the, the main guys I'm looking at, Vanderesh and J. Ron Brown, Rashawn Evans, those are all names that I would really keep my eye on if I was this front office for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's just run it back here. A little bit of a 
reflection on what we just talked about, I would sign uh, Mark, excuse me, the safety Marcus Johnson from the New Orleans Saints. I also would attack a very, very high-profile pass catcher, um, maybe a Mike Williams, a Chris Godwin, some interior offensive line depth, uh, not really starter high-dollar pieces. And then I'd look at off-ball linebackers, some of these guys that can come in and start for you right off the bat. So those are four big pieces. I know I threw some names out there. Uh, my favorite at each one, the Marcus Johnson, that, that's a no-brainer. Or excuse me, Marcus Williams. I keep calling him Marcus Johnson. Marcus Williams, uh, Mike Williams, and then I would look at you know Ben Jones, and then we're looking at Leighton Vander Esch here at linebacker. So those are the big names here that I wanted to make sure I hit on with uh, the, the free agent pieces. So moving right on, now we're going to get to the draft here. The big part of the uh, the building process here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is actually one that I shared on Twitter the other day, and I didn't, I didn't really mention too much about it there just because I knew I was going to talk about it here. But I did a mock draft, and this is what I'm going to do for every team that we do this for. And I'm just going to run through, you know, some of the picks that I really liked and some of the ones that are going to be key pieces for this uh, this team. And when we're looking at a team that's rebuilding uh, and the way Doug Peterson's done it in the past is he's put a really big emphasis on the trenches. So that's kind of where I attack this draft with is they have a ton of picks, so they're going to have some flexibility in the later rounds to move around and get the guys they really think are going to fit their system. But the trenches are the main piece where I concentrated on on where we were going to get some help for this team. And right off the bat, they got the first overall selection, and I went Aiden Hutchinson just because I think his talent is going to outweigh uh, and his flexibility is going to outweigh what you're going to get outside of this. I know a lot of people want Evan Neal here. They do have a hole here at offensive line, but I think that they got a couple of options as we discussed earlier, you can still stick with Walker Little. You can still stick with uh, Cam Robinson and maybe get some help you know, down the line here that can plug and play until we find the right guy for the job. So those are some options I like there. And basically when I ran this scenario, I liked my options better and who I thought would be available at 33 at offensive tackle versus who I thought would be available at 33 in terms of edge defenders. And Aiden Hutchinson is quite possibly the best player in this draft take him at number one and don't think twice about it so that's going to bring us to what we're going to do at 33 here uh i went uh, offensive tackle daniel falele out of minnesota this dude's an absolute mountain of a man uh he's going to really help this uh ground game get back on track right off the bat and i think he's nimble on his feet enough in pass protection that you can play him at left tackle and not have too many worries Uh, at six nine his reach is just absolutely bananas so that's not necessarily a a part that you'd have to worry about I think that we can get him there in pass pro so I think if you roll him out there at left tackle you keep Walker Little or Jawan Taylor let them battle it out for right tackle and then you can kick Cam Robinson inside I think that that's that's a big part uh, a big step in the right direction for this offensive line so that's going to take us right into our third selection here and we get Dylan Parham, uh, interior offensive lineman. I believe he's from Memphis. And uh, this is a, another really good selection. They, they projected him at center at the next level. So that was when I said when we're signing, you know, Ben Jones in the interior as a, as a depth piece, you could let Parham come in and compete right off the bat for that job. Uh, or not 
if not, you, you know, hey, we're kind of struggling on the road here. We want to get some young guys some some playing time. This is a this is a spot where you could see a guy stepping up and taking that job long term midway through the season. So that's why I liked Parham uh, at in the third round selection for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then uh, we're taking a look at their second third round selection here. And the guy I ended up going with since he was still on the board that is a really high upside playmaker on the outside is going to be George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. Uh, I'm not exactly on the George Pickens as a first-round selection train. Uh, I don't think he is. I think he's got some serious potential. Uh, when you watched him this this year, the little bit that he did play, he's a dog. He was getting after guys. He's not afraid to block, which is something that I, I didn't really see when I watched his tape in the summer. So that was really good to see. The, the ACL tear uh, that he's, re- he's obviously recovered from is a little bit of concern, the injury concern there. But at the third round selection, the upside that you're getting with this guy is going to be huge, and he's going to be able to help you move on from Marvin Jones Jr. after this year. So George, excuse me, George Pickens in the third round. Uh, another move, a couple moves that I really like because I was really high on one of these guys in the summer in the fourth round, and he just didn't really live up to that first round hype that I thought he was going to. Uh, I'll read off the picks first. It's going to be a pair of Buckeyes here. You're going to get Jeremy Rickert and uh, Haskell Garrett here in the fourth round. And the one that I really liked was going to be Haskell Garrett. Uh, he looked really, really explosive this offseason. His hands looked so violent, and I thought he was going to be a foundational piece for the Buckeyes this season. And I didn't really see that from him. I really wasn't all that impressed with the rewatch of the tape that I just did recently. And he, he was kind of getting eaten up by some of these double teams. He wasn't, I didn't see the explosiveness in his hands that I'd seen in the past. So he, he fell to the fourth round for me, but his upside, if he can play like he did, you know, in 2020, I think that you're getting a steal here in the fourth round. And he could be a really big time piece for this defense and replace some of that production that you haven't had in the middle of the defense along Jay Tufele. So that was another selection that I really liked here. Uh, moving forward, we also get some more depth in Thayer Munford uh, as an interior offensive lineman. Uh, we get some safety depth behind you know Marcus Williams and JT Woods at safety. And then another pick that uh, I know I, I heard his name mentioned here on the, the PFF Stock Exchange draft, uh, or excuse me, PFF talk, Stock Exchange podcast. And I think that this is a sneaky good pick for them too, is uh, Tyler Algier, the running back. I believe it's from BYU. Um, they could look to move on from James Robinson. That was also another cap casualty. And if they don't want to pay him, they can keep him around and have him pair up with Tyler Algier, another physical runner here. And you get him in the later rounds of the draft. So it's a guy that you could really kind of supplement this team with. And then I also selected Charlie Kolar, tight end out of Iowa State. Uh, I wasn't a big Charlie Kohler fan heading into the season. I didn't think it was that great. I think, you know, in the fifth round, sixth round, though, this is a, you know, a guy that could be your tight end, too, in the future here, playing behind Rickert uh, as Dan Arnold lets both of these guys kind of progress. And then you got a full tight end room, which is something that they haven't had in a, with some upside. They haven't had that in a, in a long time here in Jacksonville. So a couple of big selections. And then we rounded out the draft with Smoke Monday, the safety, I believe from Auburn, and then also Charleston Ramble, wide receiver for Miami, former transfer from Oklahoma. So like I said, we, we really attack the trenches here with a 
you know, two, three interior linemen, edge defender, interior defensive lineman, offensive tackle. I think that that all these moves really gets the Jacksonville Jaguars moving the needle in the right direction. And I, I think that this is how they're going to fix their franchise. So next week uh, we'll be doing the Detroit Lions. Normally I tried to double up here, but our mock draft is going to make us run over a little bit here. So uh, that's what our, our, we're going to do to fix the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. So that's going to be it for this week's episode. Uh, made sure, wanted to make sure we got that mock draft in there and then also did the, the Fix Your Franchise segment. That's something I've really been wanting to do for like about the last year, and I'm really pumped that we're going to get into it this year. So make sure you tune in next week. I'm going to try to get to two Fix Your Franchises. We'll do the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans, so it'll be a doozy. Make sure, you, make sure you're there to listen. And then also next week, I want to get into some of our prospect primer stuff right before the draft. So... We'll, we'll pick two position groups and we'll go through them, our, our top five, with a couple of honorable mentions uh, at each position. Uh, we're hoping to have a, a ton of prospects watch by then. So once again, we appreciate every single one of you guys. Make sure you hit subscribe so you can come back next week, and we'll see you then. Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred, and a great episode here for you today. We're going to go through an entire first-round mock draft. That's right. It's going to be our last one uh, based on our rankings, what we think that we the, these teams should do at each and every, excuse me, each single pick in the first round. So from here on out after this mock draft, it'll be everyone we put out, it'll be what we think's going to happen. This one is based off our rankings, what we would do if we were GM at this time. So after that, we're going to jump into fix your franchise. Uh, we're going to dive into the GM seat for the Jacksonville Jaguars specifically, take a look at some of the off-season acquisitions that they can make, and do a little mini mock draft for them there at the end as well. So make sure you lace them up tight. we got a really big episode here for you. Let's jump right into it. <laughs>